Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for the art of the CEO. The, the radio show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of Business. And whether you are a DJ who rolls out the memorable tunes of the sensational 60s like Dave, or a techie whiz who finds data solutions for your most current problems like Gabriella, we're here to bring you the sage counsel of business masters to help your career and your business. And we come to you every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Art of the CEO will stream magically through the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace. And there you may listen and download each ep- this and each episode by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. That's blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. <laughs> now, today's episode is entitled Investing in Startups. Do I dare? Yes, today we're going to take a look at one of the most thrilling and most risky forms of investing. We're going to discuss that new avalanche of early round investing instruments that are bringing new businesses to life. And by our very, very good fortune, lightning is striking twice. So we have back with us on our show, Ms. Jamie Raskulinitz, who is the CEO of Next Generation Trust Services, and she'll be acting as our Virgil through the Hades of this investing maze. But before we launch off and fix all your financial problems, let's take a moment out there to supply you with a few utensils for today's piece of wisdom. And first, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And that's the most important position you're ever going to hold in your career. So allow me to ask, will this be the day that you turn to a stranger as you travel along and strike up a conversation? Or will you let shyness and perhaps laziness cut you off from a new experience? The choice is truly yours. Now, secondly, it is time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. So let me pull it out here. Thumb throw. Okay, here we are, here we are. This is number 51. <clears throat> it was not the state of the ocean that made Columbus succeed. It was his planning, his gumption, and the seaworthiness of his boat. So as an afterthought, May I add that the whole ocean is not a tempest, my friend. Forget the national GDP and the trade and the slow recovery figures. It is time for you to summon your abilities and set sail thoughtfully for some calm and profitable niche. Take heart. Now, as a third utensil, and perhaps we should call today's utensil the startup spoon, right now we will give you the answers to last week's business quotation. And today, before we leave the air, we will broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email us the the author of that quotation, as you believe him or her to be. So just jot down the name and mail that off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you are correct, we will send you a life-changing marvelous gift freshly ripped from the dungeons of Bart's Books bookstore. So at any rate, uh, the author of last week's quote, that is the individual who said, technological change is like an axe in the hands of a pathological criminal. 
and nobody guessed this. This was amazingly stated by the ever surprising Mr. Albert Einstein, believe it or not. So enough of that silliness. Now, let us dig into today's Feast of Wisdom and discover what's there on the ground floor from our wizardess of fine wine and fine funding, Miss Jamie Riskulinitz. Jamie, how are you doing today? I'm great, Bart. How are you? Thanks for having me again. Oh, I'm glad that you're here. This we're having a good time. And uh, now I know that that you have uh, your finger and uh, the the fingers of your firm in so many investment pies. I mean, you seem to have a niche for just about every individual or corporate entity who comes by. Could you tell us a little bit about what Next Generation Trust Services does for folks? Sure. We are administrators for self-directed retirement plans. And Mm -hmm. for our purposes, self-directed retirement plans mean that our IRAs and retirement plans allow for the full range of investments that the IRS says is okay. Mm -hmm. And so many of our clients come to us to invest in these non-publicly traded alternatives like real estate, hedge funds, uh, private equity, which we'll talk about a little bit today, um, giving loans, and many esoteric investments like Broadway shows, Tree for uh, um, licenses for pro sports seat tickets. I love it. I love lots it. Of, lots of really interesting things. And so what's, what's interesting about what we do is that we don't sell any of those investments or recommend them. Right. We provide education and transactional support to our clients who want to make uh. these investments. And we keep them on the straight and narrow so that they do not uh, run afoul of the IRS regulations, because you know how bad that would be. Oh, yes. Those boys could be very, very nasty. So I've That's often right. said the only difference between piracy and taxation is the size of the army that collects it. But that's another <laughs> issue. <laughs> well, I, I, boy, you've got me interested. I, I want to get me a, a – can I invest in a single showgirl, or does it have to be the whole Broadway show? <laughs> Well, you no, probably no. could invest in a single showgirl, but but you couldn't really have any personal dealings with her then, Bart. So that that, <laughs> that might negate what you wanted what you wanted to do. Sad, so. Sadly, so <laughs> I, I, I just can't imagine that as a write-off. But anyway, I, I know we're coming actually into into a real recovery financially, if not morally, and uh, a lot of new things are holding in uh, potential. Uh, you, you mentioned real estate. I know is now becoming more sensibly seductive. So on a comparative scale, uh, would you say this is a good time to start thinking about investing in startups and early round funding? Well, I happen to think that it's always a good time to invest no. in startups and early round funding. Um, I will say that it has become a lot more popular, and there's been a lot more press about it. Um, uh-huh. It's become a lot That's more true. accessible via the internet, and uh, you know yeah. the the media is all over it. So there <laughs> yeah. there are some of those pundits of invest investing that will tell you when the rest of the world or investors are doing something, run the other way. Um, right, in, right, right. In this case, though, I don't really think that that's so. I think that uh, I, I think that it's a good time to do uh, startup investing. I think you can 
there's a lot more opportunities available to you for companies to invest in. There's mm-hmm. a lot more uh, resources in order to do due diligence on some of these investments. So I think it's uh, a really wonderful important. time now. Yeah, yeah I, I I like the fact that not only is there more opportunity, and I, I know the investment, uh, I'm sorry, the entrepreneurial rate has gone up substantially since 2008. Uh, the number of uh, startups that have come up has expanded, and yet the failure rate is about, or I should say the success rate, is, is about the same. So there's a lot more out there. Now, uh, I remember... Um, you're talking about the various funds. I remember at the time that uh, uh, Mitt Romney did his presidential bid, he uh, laid forth his um, various uh, funds, as, as they always do. And folks were sort of astounded that in his IRA account, he generated millions through private equity investments. I'm, I'm going to assume that these that such results are not typical. Please do not try this at home with your own <laughs> funds, right? <laughs> that's uh, that's correct. But <clears throat> excuse me, um, Mitt Romney had the distinct advantage to be mm-hmm. a partner in a company called Bain Capital, right? And Bain Capital really specialized in. Um, Acquiring startup companies, or even on, uh, you know, uh, firms that were not startups, and kind mm-hmm. of rolling them up and doing mergers and things like that, and making uh-huh. a lot of profit by purchasing companies in their early stages, but also companies that might not have been performing so well, and making them perform. So, right, right. Pe- mm-hmm. People ask several things. First of all, how did how did he get enough money in his IRA? to make these investments because IRA contribution limits are quite low. And so the the answer to that question, I don't know for sure, but I would (laughs) surmise that he probably used a 401k plan that he was Uh, contributing to uh, while at Bain or some other firm. And And you can bring in employees on that, I know, and so forth and so on. Yeah, but I assume what he probably did is he rolled over his... 401k money to an IRA and continue doing this type of investing. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. the the reason don't try this at home is most (laughs) of us don't have the experience of purchasing uh, existing firms for millions and millions of dollars and turning them around and managing them and making them profitable. So I, I would probably not suggest doing it on the scale that Mitt Romney was doing or even having a big percentage of your retirement funds of your, of in your that, yeah, in that kind of investment. But, you know, he had the perfect background and experience to be able to bring that over to his self-directed IRA and make the same types of investments and do well. Well, it is like the general contractor who, who, who buys a uh, <clears throat> fixer-upper. He's got the stuff, he's got the tools he's got already, and a fellow who's done nothing but rent all his life tries to go out and, and, and take a fixer-upper, be it a company or a house, is probably going to head, head, head for some big troubles. Uh, at the same time, I've, uh, we, we sort of have this image that private equity investment 
particularly getting in new companies, is has always been on sort of the Romney scale. It's always been, it's traditionally been for the, the major players and a method of diversification. Is is this, uh, I mean, that's pretty much the traditional view of uh, initial round funds, right? Well, it is the traditional view, but several things have changed. Mm. So um, there are uh, there are funds that specialize in startup companies, and uh-huh. they may yeah. they may invest in ten to twenty to thirty to forty startup companies using oh, okay. investors who fund the fund, and so you can get into that for a lot less money than investing directly into a startup. And what right, that also right. does for you is. You know, you're probably going to have more losers than winners in startup equity. Yeah. I don't know what the percentages are, but there's there's far more losers than winners generally. So in if you invest, generally, sure. Yeah. yeah. So if you invest in a fund of startups, you right. uh, further diversify by in, investing in more companies than you could probably do on your own. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> since the Jobs Act was enacted. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not fully enacted yet, so you still have to be an accredited investor, but you, there are a lot more online opportunities because companies can now advertise online and there are portals that you can go through to have access to these startup companies. Now, so, Jamie, I just want to interrupt you for for a moment because I I've, you used a term and I want to, and I think a lot of people haven't quite picked up on it. Uh, we hear we hear the term um, accredited investors, and a lot of the uh, the the offerings come out there and they say accredited invest, investors only, stamped on it. What does the SEC mean by an accredited investors, and why why did they make this distinction? <laughs> well. <clears throat> I know why the SEC says that they make the distinction. Uh, the SEC, uh, but I'm not so sure that it's very true. So the SEC and some of the regulators say right. that they make this distinction so that they protect people who are not accredited investors or do not have a higher net worth from trying to invest and or gamble, and I'll put that in quotes, in, right, right. in investments that they may not know anything about. And yeah, I, think, yeah, yeah. you know, look, there's there's a lot of people that probably shouldn't make these kinds of investments, but I think um, I think when the SEC or other regulators think that they know better than right. um, you know than um, the the common investor or the the person on Main Street, you know, I think that's dangerous territory because. Uh, you know, we all should be able to invest in what we choose to invest in. And, you know, yeah, yeah. some of the wealthy people got wealthy by making these investments. And there, yeah. the SEC and other regulators are actually holding non-accredited investors back from increasing their wealth also. But to, to answer your first question, mm-hmm. the accredited investor means by the SEC that if you are an individual, you have to earn more than $200,000 a year uh-huh. or a joint income of 300000 a year in each mm-hmm. of the last two years and oh, expect okay. to maintain that same level of income. 
That's one criteria. You have, you have okay. to have one of three different criteria. If All you right. don't meet that, you need to have a net worth that exceeds $1 million, mm-hmm. either individually or jointly with your spouse. <clears throat> right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Or be a general partner, officer, or some highly compensated or, or partner um, of the company of the security being offered. So if you're forming the company, oh. you're automatically allowed to invest. Of course, of course. That that yeah, that's only logical. And uh but I I do sort of agree with you that that uh the law should we can say is there to protect people from their own stupidity, but I think saying that people who have a lot of money are wiser than those who don't and therefore uh the poor don't know how to invest as well. Everyone who invests starts out with little. <laughs> so Sure, but you know, um, not to get myself in trouble, Bart. But um, and I'm going to bring you right with me. But I'm sure you know people. <laughs> I'm sure you know people who might meet the criteria for accredited investor who shouldn't be allowed to make their own decisions, right? Oh God, those people who, who don't know who shouldn't put on the shirt they do in the morning. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I mean, it, it's kind of an arbitrary thing, but. The good news is, and I I don't really know how good it is because we've been waiting for a few years on this, but the good news is there is a provision in the JOBS Act that has not been enacted yet. And we're still waiting for the SEC to come up with the the real rules for this. And Uh, I think it's Title III of the the Act. Mm -hmm. And so they've been tossing this around since the JOBS Act was enacted it will allow for non-accredited investors to invest in private equity, but there will right. be some rules. And so, oh. you know, one of the rules that's been bandied about is if you have under $100,000 or $100,000 in net worth, that right. you may only be able to invest 5 or 10% of your net worth in this particular investment. So they're looking at rules that might make sense for people who don't right. have a high net worth. But we've been waiting for these. We've been waiting for this part of the Jobs Act to be enacted for years now, and they, for some reason, they can't get on the ball with it. Well, I think it's interesting that the Jobs Act is uh, stands for Jumpstart Our Business Startups Act. Yes. In other words, in theory, this is something that is supposed to help launch business startups. And I, I think it's sort of the social security mentality of we want to make sure that, that the investors have some money in their, their old age uh, pension fund, you know, that that they don't bet the farm on this and then and then become wards of the state. So right. I, I kind of, I, I mean, I guess that's sort of the goal, right? Is that kind of what they're doing? Well, I, I, I really, uh, honestly, Bart, I, I can't even imagine, <laughs> I, I can't even imagine the thinking behind this. You know, like like I said, I know that, you know, I know that the 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 seeming goal or what's been told to everyone is that the regulators want to make sure that people who may not be as sophisticated and why right. they use net worth as sophistication, it, it, you know, that doesn't make sense to me, but they're using that. But people who are not as sophisticated shouldn't have access to more sophisticated investments like investing in private equity. But, yeah, right, right. You know, 
um, not to throw another wrench in this thing, but so-called sophisticated investors and business people on Wall Street were the ones that created all of those products that nobody understood that caused our financial yeah, system right, yeah. to almost crash, right? I so, can't pay my mortgage, and all of a sudden the nation falls down. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Art of the CEO radio show, streaming live from Blog Talk Radio. And we've come to the midpoint of today's feast, and so allow us to take a brief survey, if we may. It is time for me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we're here today. And that company is Prometheus Publishing, who, among other things, creates Bart's Books, Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit... Uh, bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, to explore a wide wealth of very practical wisdom from business masters. And as an example, Prometheus Publishing invites you to visit their bookstore and take a look at one book behind every successful woman is herself. And we know this is an exquisite book uh, for boosting uh, careers and businesses, because it has the very top level of executives from around the world, including the wisdom from some fascinating stories of our own Jamie Raskulinitz. So, may I suggest that you uh, run swiftly to BartsBooks.com and browse the whole bookstore and pick up a nice gift copy of Behind Every Successful Woman is Herself for that graduate uh, who is just starting out on her career. It's a, could, you couldn't give a better gift. So, ladies and gentlemen, at this point, and those merry collegiate souls who are lifting their bleary eyes from the exams, we are back now to the Art of the CEO radio show at blogtalkradio.com. And we're, going, we're back with Jamie Raskulinitz, who is going to keep guiding us into investing startups. Now, Jamie, as long as we're in this arena, I guess it's uh, probably time at this point to kick around the football of crowdfunding. Could, could you just give us a brief definition of crowdfunding along with uh, a, a short list of warnings for the relative newcomer? <laughs> well, crowdfunding is really a new way of talking about companies raising money from large groups of people. Right. And it's okay. come to be known now as uh, crowdfunding because of the Jobs Act and because uh. of a lot of these online portals that are available right. so that um, accredited investors, because as of now we're, we still have to talk about accredited investors, but right. there are portals that advertise and offer a lot of startup companies' equity and offerings, mm -hmm. and you, you do this through the Internet. And, right. you know, the, the other way that crowdfunding uh, was supposed to work is, you know, the regulators were worried about bad guys. And, yeah, you know, no. we're going to do this, people will do these equity offerings, and suppose there are bad guys that are just trying to rip people off. Crowdfunding no, no. was supposed to lessen the possibility that there are bad guys because there's so many people out there looking at the offering and everybody's doing their due diligence in their own way and people might know who some of these people are and know that they're bad guys already. So. Oh, oh, no, the, the name, it's, it's so transparent that the name of the bad guys have come out very quickly is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Right, right. And right. and because there's so many people involved looking at this, the crowd should be able to um, keep keep down um, a large percentage of bad guys. I see. Well, you know, a lot of this sounds very much to me similar to the old uh, curb exchange in the 1890s on the guys who do hand signals into the office. I mean, it's it's just a way of getting literally the man off the street in into investing, and and that's that's not a bad thing. Uh, but I I I'm not sure uh, if having a larger crop of fools uh, <laughs> looking. That's a terrible thing to say, but it, but you you see what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. having more people look. Uh, give me your estimation of how that's moving along thus far. I mean, as is is that um, well, even more than an estimation. Are there some particular um, crowdfunding sources? Not that you. I don't want you to specifically recommend them, but some that you vetted that you might think of as, as worth exploring for potential investors. Well, um, there's a big one that is uh, kind of all over Facebook, and and this is one of the ones that I was talking about, um, about investing in funds. And it's called Funders Club. And you you do still have to be an accredited investor, and you have to show them that you are. Um, But you can either... Uh, that's become a pretty big portal, and you can either invest in single companies that have their offerings up on the website, right. or uh, Funders Club does offer some funds where you know right. your your investment is being spread over quite a few different companies, and there's different categories uh, of what they're investing right. in. And then um, another one that I know of that's also for accredited investors and not quite as public or well-known as Funders Club, because I think a lot of people know about Funders Club, is one called Venovate. And um, that also is uh, for people who are putting out offerings of private equity and for accredited investors. And the only other one that I'm somewhat familiar with is called Phoenix, not mm-hmm. what you think. It's actually initials, <laughs> and it's F N E X, and it's oh oh similar like to from the ashes or something. That's right. Uh, so similar to Venovate, it's it's a portal where people who are looking to raise equity and people who want to invest in it can sort of get together and view their offerings. <clears throat> now, how does this differ from the the old private private equity groups, the, the standard private equity groups. Are those portals any different or, or not? Well, sure. Uh, the old private equity groups, before the JOBS Act, people mm-hmm. who were offering equity in their companies for money couldn't right. advertise. It, yeah. it really wasn't allowed. So these uh-huh. private equity groups would have to you know, individually approach people who might be accredited, um, you know, or get referrals, where now this is why it's become so much in the mainstream that the JOBS Act allowed for these types of companies and portals to actually advertise their offerings. And 
you know, there, there still has to be a check to make sure that somebody's an accredited investor or you have sure. to you have to verify that you are or, um, you know, certify that you are. But there's many more offerings available to you because, you know, online there's an unlimited number of, you know, things that you can put on your site. So it's great for the people who are offering the equity because they get exposure to a lot more people. And it's great for the investor because you get mm-hmm. exposed to a lot more offerings and you could do yeah, a little more yeah. picky so about it. Is, it. And there is no, so we've got uh, the thing I like is that, that in both these you have a, a sort of an individual investment, um, a la angel style, and you ha- at the same time you have a, a, a mutual fund panoply, which is a little bit uh, less risky, but it, it, it and it, it can give the low the, the smaller investor some true, true diversity, and that, and that's great. Jamie, we're we're coming to the end, and I but I have two two quick questions. And could you give? I'm just going to say one word and give us a quick review and what your thought about it is. Kickstarter. Kickstarter is a great thing if you are an early adopter of technology or products and you want to get in on the ground floor of something. But I caution you. Um, mm-hmm. Kickstarter does not offer equity in a company. It orders. Uh, it offers perks. So right. if, if you've developed the next greatest 3D printer, and I'm making this up because that wouldn't happen, but right. you know, or the next greatest um, headphones, you right. can go on Kickstarter and you could set a goal and you can raise money, and at different levels, offer people um, a free set of your headphones. Uh, getting them earlier than everybody else, getting a discount, yeah, right. getting T-shirts. But, you know, I'll caution you that a lot of companies that raised money on Kickstarter, when they went public and yeah. raised all this money, the people who helped them in the early stages on Kickstarter didn't mm-hmm. take advantage of any of that increase in in wealth or growth of the company. They just got their perks. They got so. it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a great lack of follow through on Kickstarter by the 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 funders, the people who are making the offerings. And I'd like to talk more about that, but I, I, we're running out of of our space. I'll ask I just one more thing: if folks have the itch uh, and the capital and they need the wisdom, how can they get in touch with Next Generation Trust Services? Well, we are available um, at info at nextgenerationtrust.com. We can be reached toll-free at 888-857-8058. And our website is nextgenerationtrust.com. And there is a wealth of educational materials right on our website, including several white papers that people can download. But any of my staff is uh, happy to have a free conversation with someone on the phone if they want to know more. Oh, that's great. Jamie, this has been fabulous. I, I had a lot more. I know that you did a private equity investing, and I, I wanted to find out, but I'm afraid we're, we're, we're running out, out of time, and people are going to hook us right off out of here. So, again, I thank you very much. You've taught me a lot, and I'm sure our audience as well. Thank you. Good talking to you, Bart. All right. So now, ladies and gentlemen, as we round out today's shows, allow me to leave you with a business quotation of the day. Who said... A corporation is an ingenious device for obtaining profit without individual responsibility. 
And as a hint, the author is a man who was, shall we say, renowned for his devilish definitions. And remember, if you know the author of that quote, please feel free to send it to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely astounding gift from the Dungeons of Bart's Books bookstore. And finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, it's easy to become intoxicated with your own words. Just remember that it's a, that's a giddiness that's seldom shared. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for listening to The Art of the CEO. And remember that next week we're, we're going to be having uh, Miss Sally Glick, who's the president of the Association for Corporate Growth, to help you broaden your horizons and fill your purse by showing the many benefits and ways to take advantage of professional organizations. As always, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you. It has been a privilege.